Welcome to The Wellness Connection with your hosts, Roddy Aglis and Peter McCarthy. Our program provides you with timely and relevant information on the state of your health and the topics surrounding it, such as natural remedies, green living, expert opinions, important facts, and more to contribute to your healthy lifestyle. Now, here are Peter McCarthy and Roddy Aglis. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Connection. I'm your co-host, Roddy Aglis. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. Today's guest interviewee is known worldwide as the Indiana Jones of natural medicine. Medicine hunter Chris Killam will be joining us to share some of his exploits and his perspective on why natural medicines and the environment that supports them are crucial to our continued good health. And returning as our Health Freedom interviewee is attorney and activist Diane Miller, who will share with us the status of ongoing efforts nationwide to ensure our continued access to the health treatments of our choice. Plus, our regular features, the supplement of the week, the burning question, and the drug-induced nutrient depletion update. But before all that, Radia, you have some news about low-carb diets that may surprise some of our listeners. That's right, Peter. Low-carb diets are all the rage, but, you know, can cutting carbohydrates spell trouble for your heart? Well, according to a study being presented at the American College of Cardiologists, uh, Cardiology 68th Annual Scientific Session, People getting low proportions of their daily calories from carbohydrates such as grains, fruits, and starchy vegetables are significantly more likely to develop atrial fibrillation, that's AFib, the most common heart rhythm disorder. The study, which analyzed the health records of nearly 14,000 people spanning more than two decades, is the first and largest to assess the relationship between carbohydrate intake and AFib. With AFib, a type of arrhythmia, the heart doesn't always beat or keep pace the way it should, which can lead to palpitations, dizziness, and fatigue. People with AFib are five times more likely to have a stroke than people without the condition. It can also lead to heart failure. Considering the potential influence on arrhythmias, our study suggests that popular weight control methods should be recommended cautiously. Low-carbohydrate diets are associated with increased risk of incidence of AFib regardless of the type of protein or fat used to replace the carbohydrate. And, and you know, th this is really, I think, very valuable research because it does offer a note of caution. You know, if you want, you may be working with a practitioner that, um, you know, recommends this kind of diet, but be careful and ask good questions. Sure. And, you know, my, in the last few years, as a nutritionist, I, I basically work with people with diets all the time. But um, now that we have genomic profiles, uh, that really helps to determine which kind of diet is better for you genetically. Uh, than others. You know, it's not a one-size-fits-all. No, and never has been. Yeah. Well, Peter, <clears throat> you have some good news about one of your favorite supplements, adaptogens. It is good news, Radia. For those not familiar with the term, adaptogens are a class of non-toxic herbs and roots that have been used in Ayurvedic and Chinese traditional medicines to help boost the adrenal system that is responsible for managing the body's hormonal response to stress. 
The Indian Journal of Psychological Medicine published a placebo-controlled study involving adults with chronic stress who took 300 milligrams of high-concentration full-spectrum ashwagandha root extract twice a day for 60 days. And the results revealed those who took the extract displayed lower scores on the stress assessment scales and lower levels of cortisol. Other research shows that it has the ability to fight inflammation and enhance brain health. Panex ginseng, or Asian ginseng, is a powerful adaptogen that has been used in the Far East for at least 2,000 years for a range of health benefits. Human Psychopharmacology published a study showing a single dose of 200 or 400 milligrams induced calmness on the first day up until the eighth day. Other research has shown it can enhance mental performance, boost energy, and improve moods. And rhodiola rosea is used in traditional medicines to help reduce stress, fight fatigue, reduce anxiety, relieve headaches, and treat depression. The journal Phytotherapy published a study finding rhodiola rosea to reduce anxiety, anger, stress, depression, confusion, and to improve overall mood in participants who took one 200 milligram table tablet, excuse me, before breakfast and lunch daily for two weeks. Another study published in the journal Phytomedicine concluded the extract possessed antidepressant properties which had effects in humans. These are common adaptogens which can be found in your local health food or vitamin store in the form of powders, extracts, teas, and supplements which can be added to smoothies, juices, soups, or baked goodies. Well, there you go. That kind of covers the waterfront for well, the, the, the major ones. Yeah, and I like, you know, for people that are, obviously, everybody's adrenals are shot, let's face it. Come on. <laughs> How many people do not have stress in this world? There you are. But, you know, the cool thing about an adaptogen is exactly what it sounds like. It adapts. So if you are hypo uh, adrenal, it will raise it. If you're hyper adrenal, it will lower it. So it adapts to your body's needs, which I think is very cool because then it's, a, it's I think, a little bit safer for people who are not under the guidance of, you know, a practitioner um, to go with the adaptogens. Uh, I think it's a, you know, it's an important uh, thing for people with stress. I agree. Absolutely. And now I'm delighted to introduce our special guest for today. Chris Killam is a medicine hunter, author, and educator. The founder of Medicine Hunter Inc., Chris has conducted medicinal plant research in over 45 countries. He works with companies to develop and popularize hundreds of traditional plant-based food and medicinal products into market successes. Chris also works to bridge worlds, regularly sharing information about other cultures through presentations and media. Chris has appeared on over 1,500 radio programs and more than 500 TV programs worldwide with features in the New York Times, ABC News, Nightline, Newsweek, and CNN, among others. He's a regular guest on the Dr. Oz Show and serves on the Dr. Oz Show Medical Advisory Board. In the course of his work, Chris has traveled over 4 million miles and has spent thousands of days and nights away from home. He has firewalked in the South Pacific, been made a chief, enjoyed a diplomatic post for three years, roamed rainforests and mountains, made best friends with a prince, 
dined with prime ministers, embarked on ceremonial journeys with shamans, and explored wild places from deserts to rivers. Chris and his wife Zoe traveled the globe on medicine hunter expeditions and worked together to promote plant medicines, environmental protection, and cultural preservation. Chris, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Well, thank you both uh, Peter and Radia for that wonderful welcome. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, it's so, you know, it's so exciting to have you on the show. And, you know, your biography is absolutely fascinating. Tell our audience, uh, Chris, what exactly is a medicine hunter? Well, uh, really, I, I can tell you what I do. I travel around the world investigating natural plant-based medicines. You know, there are about 50,000 or so plants that human beings use as medicines for different purposes. So that takes me to India, China, the, you know, the South Pacific, uh, Southeast Asia, all over Africa. Um, you know, a lot of work in the Amazon and I, and, you know, meet with indigenous native people. In many cases, the plant medicines are known to us here because of we, because we live in the information age, but I help to establish trade and also to do it in a sustainable way. So um, it does take me to remote places. And for me, one of the great payoffs is that I get to meet fascinating people all over the world and, and make friendships in the process of doing this work. Well, Chris, you know, you mentioned uh, in your explanation there just now, 50,000 plants. I think most people really aren't aware that there is such a huge number of plants that are medicinal in, uh, in property. Um, and where, where, did, where are some of the more interesting places that you went uh, to be able to find those plants? Well, I, I think, Peter, India is a very good place to start. Uh, over the past uh, several decades, I've gone there repeatedly to investigate and study a plant called ashwagandha. And uh, you and your uh, listeners are probably well familiar with this. It's among the plants in the uh, Ayurvedic system of health, which is really the oldest system that we know of in the world, uh, which involves a lot of herbal remedies, ashwagandha is really number one. And so I've, you know, been to um, very traditional manufacturing facilities where I've seen this made into medicines very, very much the old way that it might have been done in the 1500s and also to modern facilities where they do it, you know, kind of like uh, the pharmaceutical industry and everything in between and with, uh, you know, holy men and women and, and going in and out of scenes. Anytime I go into a place to investigate a plant, you know, it's always the place and the people and the plants. So in the case of, of India, especially when I started going there in the 80s, um, you know, there's a lot to see and a lot take, to take in that's just plain fascinating. So I would say that investigating ashwagandha um, has been quite remarkable because the plant, which is widely available uh, on the market now, uh, enhances energy and endurance. It, it shows in human studies to be of great benefit to the brain in terms of enhancing overall mental function and, uh, you know, valuable for the cardiovascular system and the immune system. The benefits just sort of go on and on. So often there are plants that are, are definitely known to plant people, you know, like myself already, but I may go to enhance their 
position in the market, to understand them more deeply, to, you know, meet with the people behind these who are really the ones out there doing the hard work in the fields. Uh huh. Yeah. What other types of medicine do you hunt for or explore for? And well, where do you find these. I mean, I I, uh, I had a, a major hand in the popularization of kava in the mid-90s, uh, you know, by going to the South Pacific and bringing back kava and, and kind of helping to start that scene at that time. Uh, and that was very exciting. It took me deep into South Pacific culture. Uh, it led me to some wonderful friendships. Uh, it did lead me to, you know, six years of fire walking. And um, uh, I wound up being their diplomat to the United States for three years. Uh, this is the, the uh, nation of Vanuatu, South Pacific. So that involvement with kava, which greatly enhances relaxation and also reduces stress, led me into an entire world of native people and customs with which I was not previously familiar except in books. And that, that proved to be one of the great uh, engagements, not only in terms of what became of kava in the market uh, and how that positively affected the people in the islands, but also in terms of making connections and friendships that have endured to this day. Wow, that's, that sounds so exciting to me. You know, one of the things that you and your wife, Zoe, uh, focus on, as we mentioned in your intro, is environmental protection and cultural yes. uh, preservation. How does the condition of the global environment affect your work? Well, you know, Zoe and I have talked a lot about this. I mean, she's especially... Uh, sensitive to and aware of issues that relate to wildlife, you know, endangered species of all different kinds, you know, in, in the animal kingdom. And I, on the other hand, you know, I spend a lot of time out there on the trail. I, for example, uh, two weeks ago, I was in Malaysia in the rainforest there with Aboriginal people, um, you know, harvesting a particular root called Tonkat Ali. And the the sad thing is that Malaysia, the entire Malaysian peninsula at one time was a 60 million year old rainforest. And now, you know, a great, great deal of it, uh, most of that land is now palm for palm oil. And so that has had a devastating, devastating effect on the entire, you know, basically an entire nation. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, as I go along, I mean, I saw a lot of devastation of the forest there. Uh, we went deep into the forest and it was pretty horrific in some places. And I, I see a lot of, um, you know, lack of awareness of, of what's happening environmentally, a lot of pollution of rivers and streams, a lot of dumping of trash, um, tremendous, uh, you know, um, amount of deforestation, gold mining, petroleum exploration, and all of this has a tremendously negative effect on, uh, of course, on the immediate environment in which this is happening, and also on the wildlife and the people and 
uh, you know, maybe their children if they're drinking from polluted streams. I mean, it goes on and on and on. So while I would like to sound positive and I would like to suggest that good, wonderful things are happening out there, the truth of the matter is I'm seeing a rapid increase in devastation everywhere. And it's become, you know, it's become part of my work now to talk about this more. I mean, I've always spoken about it, but now the urgency of it is is just that much greater. So it's it's a pretty bad situation out there since you asked. It's so heartbreaking, so heartbreaking to me. You must have had some very interesting experiences on your trips interacting with indigenous people. Probably among my best, you know, times ever really was fire walking in the South Pacific. I had a, a friend who was a Tahitian prince and um, he lived in Vanuatu. and We became, became extraordinary friends for, uh, you know, a good long time. He has died since, but um, he was a traditional trained fire walker in Tahiti. And we actually started to do these fire walks, these gigantic public firewalks to raise funds for different causes. And um, anyway, the, the experience, uh, this is not raking coals out in the backyard. This is a gigantic 35 foot long pit filled with about 50 tons of timber and covered with uh, river stones and about 15 feet wide. And uh, we would set it on fire in the morning and by evening, you know, seven, eight hundred, a thousand people would show up for this thing. There'd be a massive feast after it. And, you know, we would we would walk the fire and it was terrifying. And I always wanted to run away and I was never glib about it. Like, oh, yeah, I'm a great firewalker. I'd always scared the absolute living daylights out of me. And um, it was it was one of those phenomenal experiences, you know, you have with people uh experiences that made us you know many of us who did that friends for life wow that's just that's absolutely stunning we'll continue our interview with medicine hunter chris killam after a brief message from our sponsor you're listening to the wellness connection on voice america internet radio network Balance and good health, two essential building blocks for a full and rich life. But sometimes in our complex and stressful world, both can be lost, and you need to find a natural way to get them back. Enter CBD oil, a natural approach to restoring harmony to your body and your life. But not just any CBD oil. For natural results, you want to be sure the CBD oil you use is produced the right way. Wave Organics offers pure CBD oil from hemp raised naturally on farms in Colorado. The oil is extracted using supercritical CO2, which is free of toxic solvents. In fact, Wave controls every step in the process, offering quality control and natural approaches from seed to shelf. Visit waayb.com to learn more and use the code wellnessconnection for a 10% discount on your first order. Wave Organics, pure natural CBD. You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. That's thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. 
Welcome back to The Wellness Connection and our continuing interview with medicine hunter Chris Killam. Chris, oh my God, I want more. I want more stories. What are, what are some of the strange and unusual things that you've encountered on your journey, especially well, with all well, this, besides firewalking? walking? <laughs> uh, I, I had a, uh, again, this is a Vanuatu story. I had a group of people from Aveda Cosmetics, Vogue magazine, some Japanese uh, beauty and fashion magazine, all out in the bush, way, way, way the heck, in, you know, deep in a native area. And, you know, it, and we, in order to move about the islands freely, you have to get the consent of the chiefs. That's what you do. And I am a chief there, but, you know, I can't give that consent because I'm, I'm honorary, but they respect me. And so we had to meet with these four paramount chiefs and they show up and these are big dudes. These are the chiefs of the chiefs. And they're like, welcome you. And we appreciate you coming and all that. And, <laughs> and one, one chief has this pig in his arms, right? and um, a live pig. And uh, at some point, uh, the, one of the chiefs hands this great big heavy stick to the guy from Aveda Cosmetics and uh, says, you know, just lightly touch the top of the head of the pig with the stick. So the guy does and he hands it back to, you know, the chief and the chief immediately hands me the stick and says, kill the pig. So I realize if we if this doesn't happen and it doesn't happen instantly, we get no access to anything, you know, at all. So I can't hesitate. So of course I you know took the stick and I hit the pig on the head, and subsequently the pig was no longer alive. But um, it, it it surprised the group from Vogue and Aveda and shocked them in awful ways. And there was blood everywhere. And the and the chief said, "Now you step over the blood, and from this point on, you can go anywhere on the islands with our blessings. You have no restrictions." So it was one of those moments where. You know, do I want to kill animals? No. But I also realize that the custom is such there that not only were they they showing that's the, if you will, the pay to play for that moment, but also uh, they were offering me an opportunity because uh, typically in ritualized ceremonies, only pigs killed, uh, only chiefs kill pigs. So it was a lot of things all at once. And, and navigating those uh cultural nuances and, and knowing what's what in places and, you know, avo avoiding doing really stupid things. And hopefully, uh, you know, that's all part of the journey. Mm -hmm. wow. wow. Well, you know, I, I, I'm sure you've encountered some unusual, more unusual experiences like that. But at the same time, given the breadth of your travels, what kind of bizarre foods have you eaten on your trips? Oh, I've eaten fried scorpions. I've eaten worms. I've eaten palm grubs, um, bull's penis. Uh, uh, I've eaten fried puffer fish sperm. I've eaten a part of a goose head, a cold goose head. Um, I've eaten... Uh, I've eaten some pretty out there stuff, actually. Um, it, a lot of, I would say a lot of the weirdest foods come from uh, China, but there's a, there's a frog 
blender drink stand in Lima, Peru, that um, when reporters travel with me or with my wife and me on on medicine hunts, as has happened, uh, we take them there to see what they're made of. And that's, as the (laughs) name suggests, you know, it's blended frog as a shake. What does a frog taste like, frog shake taste like? Does it taste like chicken? Well, it, the frog shake is made with, uh, among other things, condensed milk, egg, honey, um, yacon, which is kind of a, a, a root that is also a sweetener, maca, uh, some coca leaf powder, and frog, uh, you know, all blended together. So it's this very weird, thick kind of super shake that's also green. And they, they put it through a strainer to strain out the little bones. And it um, it's not that bad going down. I mean, it doesn't taste like your best morning shake, but then afterwards, there's a pretty funky aftertaste. In oh. fact, I've got uh, on my YouTube channel, um, blender drink, frog blender drink shake. I mean, I think others have, have those too, but mine has like a zillion views. I think it's just called fl- frog blender drink. <laughs> but, so, you know, if you really want to see the true disgusting thing, um, there we are sucking these down. There, there are many, you know, like I was just in Malaysia and their most popular fruit is the durian. And a durian honestly, truly smells like exotic flowers and rotten garbage. And uh, the taste is utterly bizarre and the cons- consistently consistency is like disturbingly creamy and the whole thing together either you really like it and you kind of flip over durian or you just can't imagine why anybody would put this stuff in their mouths and you know hotels won't let you bring durians inside because if you open one in your hotel room they'll never get the smell out oh wow those are big aren't they what? They, they're about the size of a football with spikes all over them. Yeah, and, yeah. And, yeah, you know, I, I mean, about those. Whoa. And, and, you know, so I ate durian and, and yeah, you know, fine. Okay, whatever. I turned down very, very little out there. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, you're great. You're a better man than I, I will tell you. That. <laughs> <laughs> you would imagine that these journeys are not without an element of danger. You know, have you encountered anything that was besides the fire walking and the frog drinking um (laughs) have you encountered anything that was really dangerous well i'd say the most dangerous things seriously radia are are, um diseases uh you know i i have gotten malaria a couple of times i've gotten other tropical diseases that i don't know what they were i've gotten dysentery quite a few times um these things can you know unchecked can harm you gravely or kill you and and so those are tough uh right on the heels of diseases i'd say transportation problems because absolutely everything will break down um and there's no such thing as a circumstance in which like the vehicle or vehicles won't break down they do um you know uh cars buses trucks even planes 
um, you know, all manner of motorized vehicles, everything, everything will break down. And usually at a really inopportune or, or a challenging moment. And that happens all over the world, you know, getting stuck in mud endlessly. I mean, can't count the times. Uh, boats that just stop working mid-river, um, <laughs> you know, an airplane that sadly left too much of its landing gear on the ground when it took off. I mean, the list goes on forever. And then, you know, I've been chased by pirates, had some guns pointed at me, uh, you know, stuff like that. And and, everyday stuff. Well, (laughs) the idea, you know, I'm, uh, I mean, I like to go out and do guy stuff, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, in any way trying to pose as or be a tough guy. I want to be a friendly. And if I see trouble to my right, then I go left. You know, I, I have no interest. I mean, we will, you know, I have teams of people all over the world who work with me. We'll go into places that are sketchy, but we'll go in very friendly. You know, we'll certainly go in alert. Uh, sometimes we go in with an armed guard if we have to. But uh, in general, you know, the idea is to immediately leave a scene if it seems like there's trouble. A few years ago, I was in um, Urumqi, which is a capital of Xinjiang, the much in the news province of China right now, way in the far northwest. And we, uh, we were sitting out in a public square eating, my friends and I, and, and we saw security guards with machine guns. And, and I you know, said to one of them, we haven't seen this before here, have we? And they were like, no, what's going on? And we, we left next morning, and later that afternoon, there was a riot and many people died, and that was the beginning of unrest in Arumki. So sometimes you just kind of get lucky and, and get a nose for something coming and, and get out of the way. Mm. Yeah, you've got to follow your instincts. Well, Chris, God, I could just talk to you all day and, and <laughs> we would hope to get you back again. But that's all the time we have for you today. We hope to, to hear from you soon. And, and if people want to know more, they can look up medicinehunter.com. And uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. But Radia and Peter, thank you so much for having me on your show. I really do appreciate it. Well, Chris Killam, we will have you back soon. Thanks for joining us on the Wellness Connection. We'll be right back after this brief message from our sponsor. You're listening to the Wellness Connection, Voice America Digital Radio Network. Do you or a family member have trouble concentrating, staying on task, remembering things? Does everyday life stress you out or are you in a bad mood? Well, we may have just the solution. Neurobiologics' new nutritional formula, Full Focus, created by leading neurotologist and neuroimmune specialist, Dr. Kendall Stewart, with 12 active ingredients carefully crafted by a physician to maximize brain performance, memory, and mood. For more information on this product and to view a video by Dr. Stewart explaining how Full Focus works and may be helpful to you or your family, please visit neurobiologics.com. Neurobiologics, where our mission is your health. You're listening to The Wellness Connection. 
If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. That's the Wellness Connection AHI at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. Well, Radia, you know what that means. It's post time, time for the supplement of the weekend. What supplement are we posting this week, Radia? Well, Peter, we've talked about genome SNPs, which are basically mutations or glitches in our DNA that under the right environment may be ignited and predispose us to disease. So, but before we launch into more information about the benefits of NRF2 and SOD, let's first get a, a clear understanding of certain terminology. So when we talk about alleles in one's genome profile, we mention terms like MTHFR or NRF2 or SOD or MTOR. Yeah, but before we do that, let's first define the term enzymes, which are protein molecules in cells which work as catalysts. I like to think of a catalyst like a preacher that unites a couple in marriage but has nothing to do with the relationship. Enzymes unite one chemical reaction in the body with another, but do not get used up in the process. Almost all metabolic reactions in living things need enzymes. So MTHFR, uh, NRF2, SOD, or MTOR, and thousands of others are predominantly enzyme encoding genes. So when we have a, uh, if you get your genomic profile and you see a plus plus, or a plus minus, otherwise known as homozygous or heterozygous, next to one of those terms on your genomic profile, we may have uh, a more significant reduction in the function of the enzyme sequence it's related to. Yeah, the term transcription is the first step of gene expression in which a segment of DNA is copied into RNA or especially mRNA. All right, so here's another term, basic leucine zipper. It's found in many DNA binding proteins required to hold together two DNA binding regions. So NRF2 is a basic leucine zipper protein that regulates the expression of antioxidant proteins that protect, protect against oxidative damage triggered by injury and inflammation. Increased oxidative stress is associated with neuronal cell death related to multiple chronic neurodegenerative diseases. NRF2 activation is a novel neuroprotective pathway that presents resistance to a variety of oxidative stress-related neurodegenerative insults leading to diseases such as Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, Huntington's disease, and amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Yeah, now SOD is one of the body's primary internal antioxidant defenses and plays a critical role in reducing the oxidative stress. Studies have shown that SOD can play a critical role in reducing internal inflammation and lessening pain. MTOR is an enzyme which regulates cell growth, cell division, cell movement, cell survival, protein synthesis, transcription, and autophagy. Remember, that's our cellular house cleaning uh, mechanism. Yeah. And MTOR is good sometimes, but bad other times. 
MTR increases energy production, but also creates more junk products in the cell. Sometimes we want to increase it to grow muscle and improve certain aspects of cognition, while the rest of the time we want to have low levels due to increase uh, to help increase longevity, decrease cancer risk, and decrease inflammation. Well, now that we know some of the terminology, let's talk about NAS enhancer. Uh, Dr. Stewart uh, has put together a unique combination of well-studied nutritional ingredients that are known to enhance multiple biological pathways within the cell. This unique combination was chosen to enhance three important pathways in the intercellular detoxification. And those three pathways include activating the leucine zipper protein in the NERF2 genetic pathway to reduce oxidative stress and enhance glutathione production, also downregulating the MTOR system of the cell to decrease inflammation and activate autophagy, and third, to provide maximum assistance with antioxidant neutralization within the cell by using SOD. And, you know, all of those are so important. And it's, it's, that's really a brilliant formulation mm -hmm. that they've come up with to be able to help all of those crucial functions in the body. Yeah, this is Dr. Stewart's uh, neurobiologics um, and you can get these products either by going to Neurobiologics or you can contact me uh, at Lake Hills Pharmacy. The telephone number is 512-608-9355. Or you can just email me at um, thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. And you can just email us and say, hey, I want to know more about NAS Enhancer or how can I get it? And now it's time for the burning question where we answer those important health questions that you, the listeners, send in to us. It's important to note that any diagnosis of disease can only be provided by your medical doctor or other licensed healthcare professional. None of the information we present is intended for the diagnosis or treatment of disease. And today's burning question was submitted by... Well, Randy from Austin asked, what's up with turmeric? It's everywhere all of a sudden, and it's in coffee shops and trailer cafes and cafes and hip restaurants. And why? What's up with turmeric? Well, Randy, turmeric is a spice widely used throughout Asia and a main ingredient in curries. What's more, its extensive use in traditional medicine has raised significant interest in its health benefits. But turmeric or turmeric is a spice. Curcumin is a medicine. It's the curcumin that has the key active ingredient in turmeric that has the healing properties. Curcumin consists of only about two to 8% of turmeric. So while all those golden milk type drinks and coffees may be yummy and pretty to look at, much of it is a gimmicky fad. For the mere fact that you can't get enough curcumin in your turmeric latte to heal a fly. Yeah, there you go. Turmeric contains many plant substances, but one group, curcuminoids, has the greatest health-promoting effects. There are actually three notable curcuminoids, curcumin, D-methoxycurcumin, and bis-demethoxycurcumin. 25-cent words, every one of them. <laughs> but curcumin is the most active and most beneficial to health. 
Curcumin is known for its anti-inflammatory, anti-tumor, and antioxidant effects. Yeah, and thousands of research studies have shown benefits for conditions such as osteoarthritis by reducing pain and inflammation. Even obesity, curcumin may inhibit the inflammatory pathway involved in obesity and may help regulate body fat. Also, heart disease. That's right, Radia. Uh, curcumin can help reduce the so-called bad LDL cholesterol and triglycerides and reduce the risk of heart disease as a result. And in diabetes as well, curcumin can improve blood sugar. And be sure you check uh, out our archives. We had a wonderful interview, one of my favorite, with Dr. A.J. Gold, the director of botanical research at Baylor. And he's published over 250 studies on curcumin and GI, colon, and other cancers. So while you may enjoy your golden milk lattes and desserts, if you want to use turmeric for healing, be sure you use a quality curcumin supplement and be sure you get the right kind of curcumin. Be careful, Randy. Some brands, brands add artificial fillers to cut costs to offer cheap products. And finally, one of the problems with turmeric or curcumin is its bioavailability. Turmeric is difficult to absorb, so you're not gonna get all that much benefit from fancy drinks. Some will tell you that the, the product must have black pepper extract known as biopurines, which is fine, but the best, most bioavailable curcumin is something called BCM95 curcumin which is seven times greater absorption than anything on the market. And by the way, the BCM95 is the only curcumin Dr. Gohl used in his studies and the one he recommends. And you can submit your own burning question by sending it to thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. That's thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. And tune, every, tune in every week to hear if your question is being answered on the air. We'll be right back with important information about drug-induced nutrient depletion and our health freedom update after a brief message from our sponsor. You're listening to The Wellness Connection on Voice America Digital Radio Network. Do you have trouble with nervousness, trouble relaxing, or turning your brain off at night to fall asleep? then we may have a natural solution just for you. Calming Cream from Neurobiologics, created by a leading neurosurgeon, provides five essential ingredients to help relax the neurotransmitters of the brain. Who wouldn't want to relax or wind down with a great-smelling lotion? Visit neurobiologics.com or coffeewithdrstewart.com for details. Neurobiologics, we are changing lives one formula at a time. You're listening to The Wellness Connection. If you have a question or comment for Peter Aradia, please send it via email to thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. That's thewellnessconnectionahi at gmail.com. Now, let's return to this week's show. And now it's time for our drug-induced nutrient depletion update. And Radio, what drug are we looking at this week? Well, we're looking at antacids, Peter, otherwise known as histamine-2 receptor antagonists, or H2 blockers, and protein pump inhibitors, PPIs, which are commonly prescribed for treating heartburn, gastroesophageal reflux disease, or GERD, and peptic ulcers. Some examples, of course, are Tums, Maalox, 
H2 blockers uh, like Nexium and Omeprazole. <laughs> All right. And the nutrients these drugs deplete are vitamin D3, B12, folic acid, calcium, chromium, iron, zinc, and phosphorus, vitamin A, B1, and copper. What a list. So be sure that if you have to take these drugs, you take them for as short a time as possible. They're not meant for long-term use. And also be sure to consult with a qualified pharmacist and or wellness consultant in order to help you get the right nutrients to complement your prescription. And now it's time for our health freedom segment. Each week during this segment, we'll be talking with renowned experts and advocates about our most precious right, the right to bodily integrity, the right to decide what we put into our bodies and how to care for them. Some of us call that health freedom. Today's special guest is Diane Miller, JD, an attorney and legal and public policy director for National Health Freedom Coalition and its sister lobbying organization, National Health Freedom Action. Both organizations provide information and resources to health freedom decision makers and leaders across the country. Diane is a co-founder and moderator of the World Health Freedom Assembly and the United States Health Freedom Congress and author of The Principles of Health Freedom. Diane's work involves state, national, and international health freedom issues, such as protecting access to homeopaths, naturopaths, herbalists, holistic medical professionals, and other healers, protecting access to dietary supplements, protecting consumers' rights to choose non-toxic health options and avoid or modify unsafe treatments or environments that pose potential harm, working for truthful labeling, of genetically modified foods and tracking international forums that impact health freedom. Diane, welcome to the Wellness Connection. Diane, you're at the forefront of advocating for changes to state laws to allow consumers freer access to the health treatments of your choice, uh, or their choice, excuse me. And on an earlier show, uh, my earlier episode of the Wellness Connection, you described this safe harbor legislation and what it actually does. How is this effort progressing across the country? Well, this year has been a really, a really busy year at the legislature statewide. Um, we have four states that are actually have introduced bills this session. And that means that there's four different states that have groups in their states that are working hard on getting this kind of legislation passed. We also have about four other states that are developing groups now, but they don't have legislation yet in the session. But the four that are going forward are um, Maine, Massachusetts, Wisconsin, and Iowa. And last week we had uh, hearings in Iowa um, the Iowa Senate hearing uh, asked for it to be laid over and have more discussion during the summer, and the group is still actively working with uh, connecting with legislature, uh, legislators there in the Senate and the House, uh, working hard to keep the conversation going on the safe harbor. But it's been a really active, I mean, we get, you know, 200 emails a day just on these different conversations of the different states. It's been a busy it's been a busy time for our staff, for our attorney staff. Well, Diane, are there differences in safe harbor bills from state to state? 
Yes, there are. In fact, it's interesting. People think states are all the same, but they're like people. They're very, very different cultures. And when you're developing a safe harbor, you're trying to create a box of which uh, your culture believes that the people within that parameter box can work as healers in the public domain without having permission from the government or regulation of any kind. And so the parameters usually have a list of prohibited acts that people cannot do if they're not licensed healthcare professionals, such as puncture the skin, give out, you know, prescription drugs, etc. And then they also have some duty to disclose their education, training, and what kind of services they offer and post that. In some states, they asked it to be posted. So it's interesting to see how the states all think of it differently. Like in Oklahoma, we were, we were just talking to them, Oklahoma does not have any licensure for acupuncture or for, um, you know, different things that other states might think should be licensed. So they've been having, they have had a lot of freedom over the years uh, for the uh, indigenous people and the many tribes there and the many healers there to practice the natural healing arts. Whereas you would have like a state like Massachusetts that is more regulatory in nature, they're right now trying to license, mandate licensure, government-endorsed education of all body workers. And that would include, you know, Reiki and everybody. I mean, it would include things that are not harmful at all. So um, we're opposing that bill while we're putting forward a safe harbor bill in that state. So, Diane, let me follow up with that. Um, what influence do you see being exerted in these states in opposition to safe harbor leg legislation by the various healthcare trade unions? Well, it's interesting. When we started this 20 years ago, the medical associations were very opposed to it. And um, now, uh, there, like when I was in Iowa last week, uh, the medical lobbyists came and said, these people, you know, shouldn't be practicing. And they, you know, they were here 15 years ago. But the legislators actually said, well, we have these things all the time and they're not illegal. So why do we need this bill? And we're saying, well, because the law says that we're illegal. And they said, well, even if it says we're illegal, uh, we nobody's getting shut down, so why should we change the law? And so the, the climate is very different. There was a lot of resistance from legislators 20 years ago because they thought it was weird. But right now, the culture is so different. Complementary and alternative healthcare practices, Reiki, homeopathy, traditional naturopathy, um, you know, these practices are being practiced and consumers are looking for them and they're finding them the practitioners, we don't want to have to be working underground. We want the law to be changed so they don't ever have to worry that that law is still on the books. It needs to be repealed or changed. Mm -hmm. I can see where, you know, like in the state of Texas, we're a long way from a safe harbor bill. Um, you know, and when you say, like those others, they say, well, there's no problem and people are doing it, and you know they don't need it. Our big concern here in Texas is when you read the 
Medical uh, Practice Act. It is so broadly defined that, yeah, nobody's enforcing a lot of things right now, but they certainly could if they wanted to. So if they, if you, if you got too much popularity or you, you know, came out uh, in the public and, you know, some doctor didn't like you, uh, they, because of the, the defining practice of medicine in the state of Texas, you know, literally, if I were to recommend you eat more fiber for your constipation, technically, I would be practicing medicine without a license because I am giving you a recommendation for a treatment of a condition. And that's how broadly the Medical Practice Act is defined. So, yes, of course, that's a that's an extreme example, but if, say, a doctor just, you know, just decided they got a wild hair up there, you know what, and decided, you know what, I just want to take this person out, uh, you're at risk, basically. Yes, I think that's, that's exactly the crux of the problem in every state. That statute is very much like the definition of drug federally. It's anything you do to prevent, cure, treat, ameliorate any disease. And in Washington, they even have imaginary, even if it's imaginary illness. Um, if you try and help someone. So that is on the books and in every state that I've seen. And um, when, when we go and try and change that law and they say, well, there's no problem, we're not getting anybody shut down. You know, I have, okay, you know, about once or twice a year, we get calls from unlicensed people who are being investigated um, or they're, being shut down or they've been charged criminally for practicing medicine without a license, homeopaths, uh, naturopaths. Um, and, and it is a law that keeps people uh, on guard. You know, they're not really willing to put their shingle out there without some fear. And then of course the consumers can't find them as easily. And I'm, I'm, I've lived in Minnesota all my life and, since our bill passed 20 years ago, the climate is very different. I remember trying to find a homeopath 40 years ago when my kids were small and couldn't find one, had to go to like a basement on a street in Minneapolis to uh, find a homeopath. And now, you know, they're in yellow pages and websites and, uh, you know, it's, it's a very great climate for consumers that want to use gentle helpful, effective treatments for their lifestyle. And, and it matters, and I don't, we don't have the money or the staff to do a follow-up data analysis of what the climate is like before and after 20 years. But I can tell you from living here, it's great to be in a freedom state. Hmm. And one of the biggest, you know, arguments that Peter and I have had with the legislature is, you know, when they, when they, uh, committee, you know, stands and says, well, these people are hurting people and they're doing this and that. And our argument is, well, there are laws where you cannot hurt a person and uh, it protects the consumer, mm -hmm. um, but they forget about that. You know, they right. just override that thought. And Right. It's because they don't want it to pass. It's their basic competition. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the, the people that are trained in the medical model uh, are trained that they know the healing, you know, arts best of anyone. And they are a little skittish to, uh, many of them are skittish to have consumers be going to people that don't have medical educations. 
but the medical education doesn't know anything about what oftentimes the healers know a lot about these these long-term, long, very century-old healing techniques and the concept of energy and the concept of even the law of similars with homeopathy and all the medical schools that used to be here. So it's, it's, um, it's a cultural clash and the medical uh, community is, there are some amazing medical community people now that are supporting the public domain practitioners because they're so helpful to their patients. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't have the time to spend an hour with somebody and they, they see somebody five or 10 minutes, they give them a drug. There's a drug reaction. They, you know, they don't, they don't have the time to spend managing these people. And I tell you that holistic health people are doing amazing work, helping people understand real health like you and Peter as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that compliment. Uh, Diane, we have just a, a minute before we have to sign off. Uh, please tell our listeners how they can stay abreast of your efforts and how can they get more involved where they live. Thank you. Well, our, nas- our website is new. Um, it's been redone, nationalhealthfreedomaction.org. And uh, we have a sign-up place if you want to subscribe to our alerts. We have a database that we send out alerts on bills that are going forward in your states. We also have lots of ways that you can help uh, volunteer for different events that we have. So it would be great, nationalhealthfreedomaction.org. And we have a sister organization that's an educational organization called National Health Freedom Coalition, and uh, we do a lot of work educating out of that organization. Mm-hmm. Well, Diane Miller, we thank you and the National Health Freedom Coalition in action for your efforts and hope that you'll join us soon in the, in the near future. Great. Thank you for keeping the voice of health freedom alive, you two. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in next week. And, of course, be sure to submit your burning question The next one we answer may be yours. I'm your co-host, Robbie Iglis. And I'm your co-host, Peter McCarthy. So long for now from the Wellness Connection, brought to you by Wave and Neurobiologics. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Wellness Connection with Radia Gleis and Peter McCarthy. Be sure to join us for another episode next Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk again next week.